80s Wrestling Con's virtual signing series, Monday Night Virtual, is gearing up for its biggest signing yet. On Monday, March 22nd, from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, we sit down with not one, but two very special guests. First is a WWE Hall of Famer, a legend, and the father of a current WWE superstar. We welcome Cowboy Bob Orton. And joining him at the signing table, a man who is doing his first signing appearance anywhere. He's a former WWF host and interviewer, Mr. Craig DeGeorge. This episode of Monday Night Virtual is sure to be full of amazing stories from the golden era of wrestling. For more information or to purchase a photo of either Cowboy Bob Orton, Greg DeGeorge, or both to have personally signed and given a personal shout-out on Facebook Live, visit 80swrestlingcon.com. That's 80swrestlingcon.com. It's Thursday. It sounds like a Saturday, but it's Thursday, and it's time for another episode of 80s Wrestling the Podcast, the only show that takes place inside a 15-foot-high blue steel cage. I'm Jumping Jay, and as always, I'm joined by the wrestling collector himself, Tommy Fierro. What's going on, man? Tommy, this was... A big, exciting week for you, my friend. Yesterday, St. Patrick's Day, was the grand opening of your brick-and-mortar store, The Wrestling Collector. And I'm dying to know, how was day number one? It was awesome, man, and I appreciate you asking. Uh, Yeah, it was, uh, ever since I was a little kid, man, it was always my dream to have a pro wrestling store one day. And even when I was promoting, you know, throughout the years, I always in the back of my mind, always wanted to, you know, have a pro wrestling store. So yesterday it opened up, man, the wrestling collector. It is located in Stockholm, New Jersey in Sussex County. Uh, the address is two seven, seven, two state route 23 right on the highway in Stockholm, New Jersey. And anyone that lives in New Jersey or the New Jersey area, they can head over to the website, thewrestlingcollector.com, and uh, you can get the directions on there, uh, hours of operation, some photos of what the store looks like. It was it was awesome, man. Uh, my, my parents were there. My wife and daughter were there. My friends were there. Uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it was surreal, man, to be honest with you. It was surreal. Um, yeah, and uh, we're going to be open uh, six days a week. We're going to be off Mondays uh, at the store because we do Monday Night Virtual. And uh, that was a nice commercial there at the top of the program. This Monday night we have Craig DeGeorge and Cowboy Bob Orton, uh, our first doubleheader uh, this Monday night. It should be interesting. Uh, Craig was on last week, and he, he was a great, great guest. And I really enjoyed listening to his stories. And I'm sure he'll get into more this Monday night. And, and uh, like you said, this is his first ever signing. So any wrestling collectors out there, no pun intended, uh, that collect autographs, and you don't probably have a Craig DeGeorge autograph because he hasn't done a signing. So this is a perfect opportunity to pick up a Craig DeGeorge autograph picture personalized to you as well as Cowboy Bob Orton. You can head over to 80swrestlingcon.com now, select the photos you'd like for each guest, and then this Monday Night Live on our Facebook page, which you can find the link to 80swrestling.com. Uh, they will sign your photo, give you a shout-out, and then we'll ship the photos out to you following the signing. And uh, then following Sunday is our big one, man, Virtual Mania. But we'll get more into that next week because next week's topic is going to be Jake the Snake Roberts, who is the headline guest for our Virtual Mania next Sunday. So we'll get all into Virtual Mania on next week's episode. 
but yeah, man, it's been a, it's been a, a, a roller coaster of a of the last couple of weeks for me. Uh, every day has been crazy busy getting the store ready and then doing the signings and then you know trying to get all the merchandise out, do the podcast. It's, it's overwhelming, brother. I think I'm gonna need an extra sip of Monster right now. <laughs> well, I know firsthand all the hard work that you put in behind the scenes to make all of this work. It, it's it's a lot of work to do a virtual signing. It's a lot of work to do a podcast. It's a lot of work to open up your own business. You're doing it all at once. Nobody can blame you for cracking a monster at this hour of the morning, Tommy. You, you deserved <laughs> it. You talk about the big blue steel cage, uh, and, and that yeah. that is very fitting for tonight's episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. We're going to talk all about Saturday night's main event and our, our our podcast we try to keep it right at an hour uh because any longer you you lose people's attention and people are busy they don't have more than an hour really to sit down and listen to something so we try and keep it around an hour and, and obviously we're not going to be able to hit every major moment of saturday night's main event in the next hour because there were so so many but you mentioned that blue steel cage and i think we should start there jay because when i think of the big blue steel cage I think of Hulk Hogan. Uh, well, obviously, I would think of Hogan and Bundy from WrestleMania 2, but for Saturday Night's main event, I think of Hulk Hogan and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, the photo finish, one of the greatest finishes ever, in my opinion. You know, it's a classic match, and the photo finish just adds that little something extra to it. And that's a finish that they've gone on to try to mimic or – to redo in different matches throughout uh, the WWE, uh, kind of the history. There's been a couple matches like that, but this is the one that sticks in most fans' minds that were around at this time. And that match between Hogan and Orndorf in the steel cage, that was the first televised cage match that wasn't on a pay-per-view. So this is on regular TV where moms and dads and grandparents and everyone across the country are seeing that blue steel cage, that, that great match. And I know as a youngster, you were a big Paul Orndorff fan. So I got to know, like, where was your alliance uh, during this match? Oh, it was with Hogan, man. I Once once Orndorff turned on Hogan, man, my heart was broken like all the other little Hulkamaniacs out there. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, that, that finish... They did that to perfection, Jay. If you go back and watch it, those and, and that's tough to do because you have two different guys at different sizes, at different speeds, having to drop at the exact same moment and instant. Bro, they did it to near perfection. If you go back and watch that photo finish, it legit is a photo finish. And that's tough to do if you think about these two guys that are probably very fatigued at this point because they just worked a long match. And Hogan's a 300-pound guy, and you know, Orndorff's much more uh, leaner than he is. But for those guys to be able to fall at the exact same second, when they're on opposite sides of the ring, they're 30, 40 feet apart from each other, but they can still do it at the same time, that's, that's, that was so impressive. You know what is impressive, and as you're sitting here talking about the size difference, I never really thought about that before, but yeah, you have two different heights, two different weights, you're fatigued, like you said, you can't see each other's feet once you drop below the ring apron, and so what a risk to try to pull that off, because you're right, if it wasn't a photo finish, it would have blown the whole spot, but the fact that they were able to come down at the exact same moment uh, prompting them to restart that match. Like, what an incredible twist to that match. And it was a gamble. It could have went awry if they didn't land perfectly. But, man, they were in sync, and it made for a memorable moment on Saturday night's main event. Absolutely. And, and, and when you think of Saturday night's main event, you think of Hulk Hogan because he had so many unbelievable moments on that show. And I, I'll tell you what, Jay, that song at the top of the – uh, podcast today that song still to this day gives me goosebumps because i think of me as a little kid sitting in my living room watching saturday night's main event and i and i remember as a kid i'm sure all you guys do as well um you know we were, we were young at that point you know and, and staying up to 11 30 
you know, as a, as a, as a seven year old or an eight year old, man, that was, that was hard to do. So I'm, I'm sure like many of, many of you, you know, I would take a, a, a early nap around eight o'clock and then my mom would wake me up at, you know, 20 after 11, because it would come on 1130 Eastern time here in New Jersey. And, uh, and it would be on until, you know, I believe it was about 1230 or so. But uh, I just remember, you know, always taking a nap and then waking up and watching it. And what stands out to me first, I think, is Saturday Night's main event was the opening interviews that would play at the top of the program. And you'd hear that music playing in the background, like, and they would be talking with like really low music in the background. And that's what would hook you right away is that they would promote these matches before the show even started. Like you'd see Jake the Snake Roberts in the, in the shower with a snake talking with the music playing real low in the background. And like that just like built it up so much. It made it seem like a, like a real big deal. And it was a big deal back then because back then, you know, there was all squash matches. So you would watch you know, Superstars of Wrestling or Wrestling Challenge or Primetime Wrestling. It'd be few and far between that you would see stars wrestle each other. You'd have to go to the, you know, the arenas and the house shows to see that. So it was a big deal at that point, you know, seeing, you know, two stars collide with each other on, on TV. It was a big deal. It had a big fight night feel to it because, I mean, this was a show on NBC. This was prime time, and it wasn't every week. And so this wasn't happening every Saturday. This was a big deal, a special event. And wrestling was being broadcast in prime time against other prime time shows. And so it needed to catch the viewer's attention. If you were a casual viewer and you were flipping through channels and you landed at the beginning of Saturday night's main event when those wrestlers were cutting those promos, it would hook you. It would draw you in because they're larger than life characters. You got the music in the background. They're over the top interviews where they're saying who they're fighting, what they're going to do to them. And so, yeah, it was designed to draw viewership and it did just that. And if you were a wrestling fan, you lived for these Saturday night main events because this was the show that furthered storylines. This was the show that gave pushes to either your favorite faces or, or your most hated heels, this was the show where you would see big names battle each other. We didn't have Monday Night Raw. We didn't have headliners going against each other other than on pay-per-views. And so this was the must-see event for wrestling fans. And so what a great use of that primetime spot by Vince McMahon and the World Wrestling Federation capitalize on wrestling fans, but to also grab casual viewers from other shows and bring them in for the wild ride that was professional wrestling in the eighties. Absolutely, man. You could, I couldn't have said it better myself to put you on the spot. If you had to, and it's, it's going to be next to impossible, but if I, you know, put a gun in your head to Jay real quickly, what's your one memory of Saturday night's main event. It doesn't have to be the greatest memory, just your one memory. When you think of Saturday night's main event, what's the first thing if I had to put you on the spot that you would think of? I have about three or four that I hold in my memory, uh, but I would say the one that I always go to when I think of this is when Hulk Hogan ran out to save Savage after a beatdown from Honky Tonk Man, and it was essentially when the Mega Powers formed. Uh, that's the memory that I have in my head because I was a huge Hulkamaniac. I was a huge Hogan fan. And so anytime he was on the TV, it had my attention. But seeing him run out and save Savage, like that sticks in my mind. How about you, Tommy? Do you have like one moment that is just always at the tip of your brain when you think Saturday night main event? Well, obviously that one uh, when, you know, Honky Talk Man uh, attacked Savage and Elizabeth ran to the back and Hogan came out. Everyone, every 80s wrestling fan remembers that moment. It's probably the biggest moment on Saturday Night's main event is, you know, pretty much the beginning of the the, the formation of the Mega Powers. But what comes to my mind uh, when I first hear Saturday Night's main event is when Jake the Snake Roberts DDT'd Ricky Steamboat on the yeah. cement floor. I, I, for some reason, that comes to my head first when I think of Saturday Night's main event. Uh, that was an awesome, awesome uh, Saturday Night's main event moment. And, and there's so many of them. 
and I'm looking forward to talking to you about some of them uh, here today on the show. That's definitely up there, though, for me as, as one of them. Absolutely. What a, what a moment. Uh, what a heel move by Jake Roberts. And uh, I don't know for sure, but I'm a, I believe I've heard somewhere along the lines that uh, Ricky suffered a little bit from that. Like, I think, I don't know if he got knocked out legit or what, but I think I remember uh, that it wasn't a great spot for Ricky. Yeah, man, that, that, that was, that was looked so devastating on TV. I, I, I can only imagine that it had to have done something to him because it, on TV it looked, especially as a kid watching it, man, you're like, holy crap. You just can't believe what you just seen. You've never seen something like that before. You know, it was, that was amazing. Uh, I, I guess let's start off from the top, man. Uh, the first Saturday Night's Main event took place on May the 10th, 1985. It aired the following day on May 11th, and it was up here on the East Coast. It was in the Nassau Coliseum. Uh, we're not going to have time to go through every episode, every match, but I just want to make mention of the first one because it was the first. Uh, it was headlined by Hulk Hogan. Uh, taking on what little would you have it would be Cowboy Bob Orton, who will be appearing this Monday night on uh, the Monday Night Virtual, we just mentioned earlier. And uh, Hulk Hogan had Mr. T in his corner, and Piper had uh, Orton had Roddy Piper in his corner. And this is right after WrestleMania one. So it just goes to show you, you know, they really were going in the mainstream at this time because WrestleMania was in March. And now in May, just a couple months later, they're now on national TV. So you can see, and, and, and they're on MTV with, with Cindy Lauper at the time. So you can see the whole formation of, you know, the boom period of 80s wrestling is taking place right now. Uh, you have them on MTV, you have WrestleMania, and then a couple months later, they're on channel uh, on NBC. So this, this whole, is, this whole period is just crucial to the history and success of, of wrestling today. Absolutely. This is, this is the boom that launched the World Wrestling Federation into mainstream. Uh, how exciting that you're going to be able to sit down with Cowboy Bob Orton on Monday because think about the, the, the part he played in that big boom. He was part of WrestleMania 1. Here he's part of Saturday Night Live main event number one. He was right in the heart of it. Um, and so I'm excited to, to watch that signing and maybe hear some stories about Saturday night main event from Bob Orton. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure our host Ryan asks him about working the first Saturday night's main event with Hogan. I, I'm, I'm interested in that. And uh, any questions you guys have for Bob or Craig to George for our live virtual signing this Monday, March the 22nd, uh, you can actually ask them in the, in the chat room. Uh, as the virtual signing is going on. And again, if you want to order photos of either guests, you can head over to 80sWrestlingCon.com and do so. Uh, another thing that was interesting about Saturday Night's main event, if you notice, I'm sure you're looking at the results uh, of every uh, episode like I am right now. They would never put on the main event last. And obviously that was because it's already late at night. And their audience at that time is highly, you know, highly uh, with kids in it. You know, the high uh, part of their uh, fan base is, is, is kids. So you would see Hulk Hogan either go on first or second, maybe third, but he would never close the show typically. Uh, looking at the first Saturday Night's main event here, the last match of the broadcast was Junkyard Dog with his mother, Bertha Ritter, uh, defeating uh, Pete Darty. I'm looking at the second episode of Saturday Night's Main Event, and the last match on was the Dream Team against Lanny Poffo and Tony Garea. The third episode uh, has Ricky Steamboat against Mr. Fuji in a Kung Fu Challenge closing the show. So you can you can get the picture here. They they never really close the show with the big match. They would usually start off the show with the big match or, or, or second or so. But uh, interesting format. It is an interesting format, and you're absolutely right. It must have to do with viewership. They must have known being on late at night, they want to hit with their prime matches right away to draw the attention in, uh, get the ratings, and then if people tune out after that, uh, I think they were okay with that. But, yeah, it is interesting. It's, it's contradictory to what you would 
think when you're booking a, a wrestling event, you would think you would save your headliner for last. But yeah, Hogan routinely went on first or second or third um, with, a, with a different match, so-called main eventing or closing out the show. Interesting format, but yeah, it had to be a ratings, uh, ratings motivated decision, but it worked because yeah, if you're staying up that late, you're staying up for Hogan. And so you want to hit that right away, get the viewership captured and then go on with the show from there. But tremendous show, love the format, love the big fight feel of it, love what they did with it. And so let's start talking about some of your favorite moments, Tommy. Uh, Do you have anything other than the Hogan Macho Man and other than uh, the Orndorff Hogan cage match that comes to mind as one of your favorite moments of the show? Oh, yeah, man. I have have several. uh, another one talking about the big blue steel cage. I'm thinking about Hulk Hogan and the big boss man. They yeah. had an awesome, they had an awesome steel cage match. They always worked really well together. But as a kid, I remember being blown away when Hulk Hogan superplexed the big boss man off the top of that cage, man. That was, it just looked absolutely, even to this day, you watch it as an adult, it looks, looks absolutely uh, phenomenal. It does. And it's, this is from an era where you don't have the crazy high spots that we've become accustomed to in wrestling. And so when somebody the size of Big Boss Man, Hogan, suplex off the top of that cage, like that was the high spot of all high spots for that time period. And so when you saw that, your mind was officially blown. Like you could not believe that they just did that inside the ring. That is one of the top 10 moments from Saturday night's main event for sure. Um, I just want to know, Tommy, you're a fan of golden age wrestling. So am I for fans of our generation, that blue steel cage holds kind of a, a soft spot in our heart. I miss the old blue steel cage. What is your feelings towards that 15 foot blue steel cage that you remember from your childhood? It was awesome, and I wish they still had it today. It was just so impressive looking. And uh, again, I, I I think back when I when I when I hear the big blue steel cage, I think of you know Hogan and 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 Bundy from WrestleMania two. I think of Hogan and uh, Big Boss Man, like I just mentioned. Hogan and Orndorff. Hogan and Andre. They had a steel cage match, uh, and it, 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 it was just it was part of our childhood. That big blue steel cage. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I think it looks so much more impressive than a, a regular steel cage. Um, I wish that they, I don't know why they didn't keep it around. There hasn't been a reason why, but, uh, I think that played a big part in making a steel cage match look even more, you know, impressive than it actually did. Uh, just the structure of it, the way it looked, uh, being blue instead of being a, a steel color. I just, I just, I think it was awesome, man. It was awesome, and I miss it too. And so I love when we're doing research for like this episode, and you're looking at these photos of the old blue steel cage. Yeah, it brings you back to a better time in wrestling, and you miss it. And I still like I still have my old LJN wrestling ring down in the basement, and it has the the plastic version of the blue steel cage. And even in toy format, that blue steel cage is just so impressive looking, and just invites you into the world of wrestling much more than a chain link fence does in my opinion but we can talk about the cage another time i just wanted to get your opinion since we were talking well, about hogan's suplex w- and boss man off it i would like to continue talking about it because you just well, mentioned that you have you have that steel cage in your basement yes. with your ljns what i think you should do is after this episode uh you should go down to your basement uh bring a box with you put the ring and the cage along with all the LJNs you have uh, as well. Put them in the box. <laughs> you're going to, after that, you're going to fold the box up, get some packing tape and then, you know, put the tape over the box yep. and then text me. I'll give you my address and ship them up here so I can have them in the wrestling collector store. <laughs> we'll, we'll postmark that wrestling collector and send it off. huh? <laughs> Jay, uh, I want to make mention real quick, man. Um, Last week, we were talking about uh, our our goal was to break the top 10 as far as the top 10 
most listened to pro wrestling podcast in the United States. And, and guess what, man? We did it. We were as high as number nine last week with the Craig the George episode. And, and again, it's just mind-boggling to me because we're, as of last week, we're nine episodes in and we're the ninth most listened to pro wrestling podcast in the United States. And in other countries, bro, we are number one. We were number one in Netherlands last week. We were number one in uh, Denmark last week. We were number one in different, all these different countries, man. It blows my mind, uh, the, the reach that we have with, with this, this 80s wrestling audience, man. I, I guess they just they dig their 80s wrestling and they want their 80s wrestling. They dig their 80s wrestling. That's it. It's, very, it's mind-blowing to know that uh, we are ranking that high. And like you said, it, it has to do with the fans of 80s wrestling, and they're just hungry to relive some of these moments. And last week's episode with Craig DeGeorge, if you're a Golden Era's wrestling fan, that's a must-listen to because Greg was telling some stories. His memory is sharp. He remembers everything. And so the stories he was telling immediately brought you back to that place and time. And that's another reason that this coming virtual signing is going to be so entertaining because you got Bob Orton, who was part of some of the biggest matches of the era. And then you got Craig DeGeorge, who was working behind the scenes alongside these superstars during that era. The stories that are going to come out of Monday signing, I am just beyond excited for. 80s wrestling fans are the greatest fans on earth. They love listening to the podcast. They love the signings. That's what it's all about, man, reliving this era of wrestling. I actually had a couple customers that came into the store yesterday, and they, they were telling me, I forgot to tell you this off the other, they were telling me how much they loved the podcast, which was awesome, man, that like customers coming in the store on the first day were like, I know uh, one, one guy goes, when, when he walked in, I says, hey, welcome to Wrestling Collector. How'd you find out about the store? He goes, I know that voice. 80s Wrestling, the podcast. That was cool that. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool that he 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 said that was like the first thing he said because I know that voice he's wrestling the I know that voice. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> not, that's very cool. That's very cool. Let's get into another one of the uh, moments I remember most of Saturday Night's Main Event. This is a good one too. Is when Mister Perfect destroyed the WWF World Heavyweight Title. Dude, you. This is one of my all-time favorite moments in wrestling. Uh, Mr. Perfect, originally from Minnesota, I'm from Minnesota, he was the first, as a kid, he was the first bad guy that I secretly liked and secretly rooted for. There was just something about him that caught my attention. He was perfect. I loved his character. I loved his matches. But then when he would start challenging Hulk Hogan, and then they'd have these matches or Lanny uh, Poffo, the genius, would be involved. I loved their version of going after Hogan because they weren't matching him physically. They were matching him with wits. And so then when they stole his title and he took that hammer and on television, he smashed it and the belt shattered into all these pieces. I lost my mind as a kid. I had no idea what was going to happen next because in your mind as a kid there's one championship belt this is the one and now it's smashed beyond recognition like they had me hook line and sinker on this angle and i loved it tommy what was running through your head as a young hokamaniac when the genius is standing there with mean gene and and mr perfect grabs the hammer and destroys the winged eagle revenge brother <laughs> revenge man and how about the the following episode i believe it might have been the following episode was hulk hogan actually losing losing to the genius uh it was i think it was either dq or a count out but he lost the match to the genius can you believe that listen i i at the time, no, you can't believe it because Hogan beats the biggest and baddest foes in the world of professional wrestling. And now he's losing on a big-time match to the genius who was not getting the kind of push that Hogan was in the 80s. He wasn't a main event tier guy. He was more of that mid-car, entertaining type of character. But here he gets a win over the biggest 
thing in the world of professional wrestling. Looking back, I love it. I'm so glad that they did it because it was just one of those ways that they were getting underneath the skin of Hulkamania. They weren't trying to overpower him. They were just trying to get under the skin. And those two together, perfect and genius, an amazing team to get under the skin of Hulkamania. I absolutely love it. Actually, it was, I, I, I take it back. For the first match, it was, it was a three-match three series on Saturday Night's main event, and it stretched from November 89 all the way to April 1990. So the three Saturday Night's main events in a row. It started off with a genius defeating Hulk Hogan by countout. And then the following Saturday Night's main event, it was Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior defeating Mr. Perfect and the Genius in a tag team match. And I want to I want to track back to that momentarily because this uh, really cranks up the build for Hogan and Warrior for WrestleMania six. Um, and then the following episode in April of ninety was Hogan going one on one with Mr. Perfect. So they had a three series Saturday Night's main event run. Uh, with this, but I want to I want to go back to the second one, where it was Hogan and Warrior against Perfect and Genius. Uh, right before this match was the Royal Rumble, which started the, the tease of Hogan and Warrior, but they really cranked it up here. If you remember this match, Ultimate Warrior accidentally clotheslined Hulk Hogan, and then we were off to the races. Dude, this is like I get I get uh, excited thinking about this kind of stuff because yeah, this is right after the Royal rumble where you first felt the rumblings, no pun intended that the warrior and Hogan might end up going head to head. And then this episode of main event, when the warrior accidentally delivers that clothesline to Hogan and Hogan goes down. Like it was the first time as a kid that you thought there was a power that could rival Hulkamania and to see these two kind of, turmoil started bubbling to the surface you could start to sense something was going on two baby faces in my life as a wrestling fan up to that point i'd never seen two baby faces kind of turn on each other like this and so yeah it sent shock waves uh through wrestling fans and just the way they did it that it was the accidental clothesline but hogan sold it then then they stand up and they're face to face I just love that stuff, man. I think that's so well done. That's such a good storyline, so well driven. They took their time with it. I loved it, man. I loved it. I want to make mention, Jay, that I'm looking at some of the old results of old Saturday Night's Main Events right now. On the 14th edition of Saturday Night's Main Event, and that aired on January 2nd, 1988, we have the Strike Force, Tito Santana and Rick Martel, in a two out of three falls match for the WWF Tag Team Championship. Two out of three falls against the Bolsheviks. Nikolai I'm Volkov telling you, bro. I'm telling you, that was the team of the 80s. You're just wow. now getting behind them. That was the team. Can you imagine a two out of three falls for the WWF Take Team Championships against the Bolsheviks? Wow. <laughs> That's incredible. Would, if you weren't reading that right now, if someone, just on this, if someone walked into the Wrestling Collector and just said, hey, do you remember that Saturday Night Main Event episode where the Bolsheviks went two out of three falls with strike no force? You would have no like, that never happened. I, I would never, I would, unless I didn't read the results just now, I would never remember you that. You never match. thought that happened. I think, I, think that, I think that calls for a Bushwhacker Luke impression. What do you think? I, it, yes, go for it, man. Absolutely. Because also on that show was Jake the Snake Roberts defeating Sika. Whoa, yay! <laughs> and Hulk Hogan defeated King Kong Bundy with Andre the Giant in his corner on that episode as well. So many classic uh, memories and moments. If you're scrolling through all the... Uh, matches of Saturday night's main event. Uh, one thing I do want to make mention of, Jay, not, not kidding around for a second, I'm being serious, is that WWF used Saturday night's main event as a great, great marketing tool to get you to the big matches at WrestleMania. 
they'd always air a Saturday Night's main event right before WrestleMania. And they did such a good job uh, building up matches. Like, for example, before WrestleMania two, when it was Hogan and Morocco uh, one-on-one and Bundy came out and then, you know, he attacked Hogan and gave him the avalanche in the corner and, and, and that set up for WrestleMania two, you know, the WrestleMania three, you had the battle Royal right before WrestleMania three, where Hogan and Andre are staring at each other in the battle Royal and the, you know, all the other guys are surrounding the inside of the ring, not, not doing anything but watching those two guys. They just did such a good job. Uh, we just mentioned Hogan and Warrior right before WrestleMania six. Obviously, Hogan and, and Savage. Uh, they did such good jobs building up the big matches. On, on, and, they, and obviously, they were smart. You know, you have a worldwide audience watching. But uh, that was a big part of their machine back then was, was this program, Sarah, and its main event. It was. Like you said, it was – it was must-see TV going out to every home across the country. This was their one time where they could get everyone to have their eyes on the product, and they did not waste it. You were absolutely right. They would make big moments on this show that made people interested in purchasing the big pay-per-views, the WrestleManias. This was their chance to come into every home across America grab people's attention, get eyes on their product. And Vince McMahon, especially during this era, was a genius at capitalizing on these opportunities. And Saturday night's main event is just that. It's an opportunity to get more eyes on your product, which is why they had big things happening on that show. But like you mentioned, it was for a greater purpose. It was building towards the granddaddy of them all to get people to purchase that WrestleMania pay-per-view buy so that they could get even more butts and seats, even more revenue, even more eyes on the product. This era of wrestling is just a prime example of why the World Wrestling Federation is as successful as it is. They capitalized on moments like this. Absolutely. Let's let's talk about some of the the the, the biggest and best matches in Sarah Knight's main event. One that comes to mind is a match that had the Macho Man Randy Savage going one-on-one with Bret the Hitman Hart. Randy Savage and Bret Hart in a singles match. Man, that's that's just fire if you think about that. It is, and this is a time when the Hitman wasn't a singles wrestler. He was still part of the Hart Foundation, and so this was a chance for him to showcase what he can do in a singles aspect. And Macho Man at this time in his career is already one of the must-see competitors. And so to see those two go against each other was unique. It was a treat. And at this time on Saturday Night Main Event, most of the matches, if you look at the times, they're not going that long. You know, five-minute match, six-minute match. This was a 12-minute match between Bret Hart and Randy Savage, and it kind of showcased an athletic style of wrestling that maybe you didn't get with with a Hogan and a Bundy, but you definitely got it here. Absolutely. And talk about another classic match. How about the Rockers and the Brain Busters, two out of three falls, man? You got If you didn't see that match, you got to go back and watch that because those guys just tore it up. Rockers were doing tag team wrestling at its finest in the 80s. High energy, high flying, two young athletic guys. Of course, we know one of them goes on to superstardom. The other one, Shawn Michaels, just kind of peters out. Uh, But I'm kidding. As a kid, I was over the top for Marty Jannetty. I would have bet money (laughs) that he would go on to have the career that Shawn had. But history proves, proves me wrong there. So the Rockers are everything you love about the 80s. And then you have the Brain Busters, two guys who have amazing careers, most of their best work outside of the World Wrestling Federation. I wish their time in the WWF would have been longer. I wish they would have been able to accomplish more. But like you said, this is a classic tag team match that people need to go back and watch. And if you're a tag team wrestler, you should go back and study this because, yeah, they put on one awesome match. There, there's something about Saturday night's main event and two out of three falls tag team matches. I'm, 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 I'm just scrolling through the, the all the match history of Saturday night's main event. Check this out. 
They had Brain Busters and Demolition, two out of three falls. They had Brain Busters, Rockers, two out of three falls. They had your boys, the Bolsheviks, two out of three falls. They had the Islanders and the Killer Bees, two out of three falls. There's just a bunch of two out of three falls matches on Saturday night's main event. That's interesting because you don't see those matches anywhere. Do you have those? You have them up in front of you? Here's another one. British Bulldogs with the Heart Foundation, two out of three falls. There's a bunch of two out of three falls tag team matches. What are, what are some of the time oh, no, stamps here's on one, Here's another one. Here's another one. British Bulldogs against the Dream Team, two out of three falls. What are some of the time stamps? How long are these matches going? Uh, British Bulldogs and Dream Team, 13 minutes. So, obviously, two out of three falls at 13 minutes is not much. Yep. Um, let's see here. Another one that's 12. Uh, two out of three falls, only seven minutes. That's, that's odd. I don't know. It's it's strange that they have I'm, all these two or three falls. Maybe because of commercial breaks. Uh, it must I don't have know. to do with it must have to do with commercial breaks, and they must just be because if you're getting two out of three falls in seven minutes, eight minutes, twelve minutes, it's fast paced, and so it must be commercial breaks, and it must be these four guys putting on one hell of a show so that fans are glued to their TV set. Yeah, just just interesting looking back, seeing all these these two out of three falls. Um, I'm, I'll tell you what, I see, I'm seeing some of these matches here, Jay. I'm, I'm scrolling through them now, looking at them. There's some matches I do not remember uh, on this show here on, on on these episodes. Some really interesting matches. I'm gonna have, I can't wait to go back and watch some of these. What? Let's see well, here. Yeah, in, in it's a heart foundation against the Young Stallions. Uh, that closed Ooh. the show uh, on, on uh, the, the 12th episode of Saturday Night's Main Event. The first, that's the episode with Savage and, and Honky Tonk where Hogan ran out and made the save. And then Hogan worked Sika on that show. That was followed up by Bundy against Paul Orndorff. And then that's when Orndorff uh, returned as a babyface with Oliver Humperdinck. And then closing that episode was the Hart Foundation and the Young Stallions. Interesting, the, the match choices, uh, the as far as like what placement they put them at. It is. Again, that has to be with viewership. But I would watch the Hart Foundation and the Young Stallions. I'd go back and watch that. Oh, absolutely. I can't blame you. I can't blame you for not remembering all the matches because in its original format, it was 29 installments of this show in between the, the mid-80s and the early 90s. So it's a lot of episodes, and there's a lot of matches. Uh, so, yeah, there's some classics in there that have probably been lost over time, and it'd be – It'd be fun to go back and revisit all these episodes and watch them. Absolutely. Here's an interesting one. This was the 15th edition of Saturday Night's Main Event. One-man gang against Ken Patera. I don't ever remember those guys wrestling each other. No, neither do I, but that would be another fun match to watch because one-man gangs accompanied by Slick. It only lasts a little under four minutes. Uh, but, yeah, that would be a fun one to watch. I was a big fan of the one-man gangs uh, working style. I, I dug him as a big man. And so that would be a fun one to go back and revisit. That one had Hogan and Harley Race earlier on the card. That'd be a fun match, too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if you're looking at that, you see the Islanders with Bobby Heenan against the Killer Beast, two out of three falls. I don't, I don't remember that. Two out of three that. falls. That's, <laughs> I, I, that's very interesting that they keep going back to the two out of three falls in a tag team match. Ooh, I'll tell you what, though, man. If you look at the next episode of Saturday Night's Main Event, uh, which aired on April 30th, 1988. I would love to go back and watch Demolition against the British Bulldogs. That would be a fantastic take team match. This one is not two out of three. This is just a straight one fall match. And it's got Demolition going over via disqualification. But Davey Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid against Axe and Smash, I would definitely go back and rewatch that. Absolutely. Also on that episode was Rick Rude against Coco Beware. I, I do remember that. Um, again, Rude and Coco closed the show, so it, it's it's interesting the the match lineup of, of and their their the reasoning behind it. What, what do you think about them? Not to fast forward, but what did you think about them when they brought back Saturday Night's Main Event? So obviously they did it from 1985 to 1992. They didn't bring it back to 2006. Now, I remember when they first were talking about bringing it back, I remember just being so excited because, you know, 
Saturday Night's main event was such a huge part of my childhood. So even in 2006, I'm an adult, but I'm excited uh, for the fact that they were going to bring back Saturday Night's main event. And in my opinion, it is totally, 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 uh, I don't want to say drop the ball because I think that, I think that should say a lot, uh, something worse than that because they have a golden (laughs) opportunity to be on network television on a Saturday night and what they put together, this, in my opinion, was, I think it was a waste. I think that they had a, a great opportunity and they totally didn't capitalize on it. You know, I would be, I would definitely agree with you. And I'm inclined to say anytime you have something that was so magical and that people love so much, anytime you bring it back, initially there's going to be excitement because people are thinking you're bringing back the thing that they love. But nine out of ten times you fall short and you don't recapture, you don't recapture the magic. And this is a case where they did not recapture the magic. And so if you loved the original installment of Saturday Night's Main Event, you were excited it was coming back, and then you were disappointed that the product they were showing you didn't live up to what you remembered watching as a kid. And so I'm glad they at least had the idea of bringing it back. But yeah, like you said, they dropped the ball. They didn't, they didn't deliver the magic that is Saturday night's main event. And so when people think about this show, they don't think about the relived 20, 2006 to 2008 edition. They think about the golden era of the eighties and the early nineties. And so, yeah, I'm with you. It just didn't live up to what you remember. They dropped the ball. It didn't capture the magic that it could have. And so, sadly, it, it just wasn't something that had legs to last. You know, I want to make mention of a couple of the early episodes of Saturday Night's Main Event, something that always stands out to me that I remember, which I should have mentioned at the top when you said what, what stands out to you, was the Halloween party episode of Saturday Night's Main Event where Iron Sheik is dressed up as Batman. You have Macho Man and Elizabeth dressed up, Captain Lou Albano. That was fun stuff. That's the stuff that captured our heart. That's the stuff that captured our imagination. Uh, How about Uncle Elmer's wedding on Saturday night's main event? How can we forget that as well? And I want to make make mention real quickly that I kicked myself in the butt after our theme song episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast, when we did not make mention of Don't Go Messing with a Country Boy because that should have been on our list as one of the best theme songs of 80s Wrestling. That should have been on the list. You're absolutely right. And I'm just scrolling through the list of songs I have downloaded to see if I happen to have saved that one or if we got deleted. But you're right. Saturday Night Main Event, they did things like the Halloween party. They did things like the wedding. They did things that you wouldn't see on other syndicated wrestling shows that we were accustomed to watching at the time. And so there were these unique things designed to capture the eye of the casual viewer. But if you're a wrestling fan, you're all in. Like that Halloween party you mentioned, like just thinking back to like Rowdy Piper uh, as Superman and just moments like that, that, that stick in your mind. Um, And I wouldn't have necessarily remembered that it was part of a Saturday night main event, but you're absolutely right. It was. And so those extra things that they did to bring attention to the product, they just don't do things like that anymore. That's part of what made that error so special. I just found another two out of three falls tag team match. The British Bulldogs it? against Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov, two out of three falls. I'm telling you, man, there must have been some magic with that. Somebody's in the in the planning meetings throwing out two out of three falls for tag teams. I want to go back and watch Ricky Steamboat and Mr. Fuji in a Kung Fu challenge. I think I'm going to watch that tonight. Do you remember that match? Vaguely, but I, I want to go back and, and, and watch it. Do you remember it good or no? I do not. I am trying. I'm racking my brain. I don't remember what the Kung Fu challenge was, if they were breaking boards or if they were demonstrating kicks or what that was. I think that it should be me and you in an 80s wrestling podcast Kung Fu challenge. Let's do it, man. I'm all in. I want to know who the fans are with here, man. Are, are they Team Jumpin' Jay or Team Tommy? If us When it had... comes to Kung Fu... Yeah, yeah, a kung fu challenge. I gotta, I got, I got, I gotta know some some facts here, man. Do you have any kung fu training in your background? What am I getting into here? I don't, but I was a, a good uh, bowler when I was in high school. 
You know, I, I've heard Bruce Lee say that the one skill that crosses over into Kung Fu is bowling. And so <laughs> did he really say yeah. that? <laughs> no, he didn't. Oh, I don't kidding. think he said that. No. All right, man. I, I'm all in. Let's do a Kung Fu challenge here. Let's find out what it is, what we have to do. Uh, and then we'll, we'll relive the Saturday night's main event Kung Fu challenge between Steamboat and Fuji here on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome man anything else you want to talk about let's let's uh let's let's any uh house uh any housekeeping things we can talk about here on the show i know next well, week's episode we're gonna have we're gonna talk about jake the snake roberts his career uh to build up next sunday's virtual mania there's so many great jake the snake roberts uh memories and moments in the wwf and he was obviously one of their top heels and baby faces during that whole boom period of wrestling. So we have a lot to cover next week with Jake the Snake Roberts. This should make for a very interesting episode. That'll be a very interesting episode. That'll be a very fun episode because everyone has memories of Jake the Snake. Everyone has favorite moments of Jake the Snake. Everybody looks to him for his incredible promos and just the realism that he brought to that character and to his matches. And so I'm looking very much forward to talking about Jake the Snake Roberts. I think as a kid, you'd put him, gosh, he's one of your top three baby faces or heels at the time that you just love to watch. Anytime you went to the store looking at action figures or merchandise, his face was always plastered on a good chunk of it. And so, yeah, he's one of those main characters from this era that everybody remembers and everyone loves to talk about it. So definitely looking forward to that. I think the biggest thing housekeeping wise that we have is the news around eighties wrestling cons, virtual signing series. You have some big signings coming up, things that I'm excited to watch. I got to believe you're excited to be there in person to meet these guys. One of the biggest ones you've done to date, a double header a two-person signing, and it's happening this Monday. Behind the scenes, Tommy, are things falling into place? Are you ready for Cowboy Bob Orton and Craig DeGeorge? Well, let me tell you something, Jay. Sign it if you're going to sign it. <laughs> I'm still talking about the Kung Fu Challenge here, brother. I got the contract out to you. It's in front of you. Sign it if you're going to sign Bro, I would have <laughs> done anything for you, brother. Just sign it. We got we to gotta have a show where all we do is you just relive some of these iconic promos that wrestlers have cut. I'm just going to come with a list, and I'm going to act like Mean Gene, and I'm going to throw you a question, and we're going to see if you can reenact. Because so far, you're spot on with all this stuff, I, I, I can't. I can't wait to next week's episode. Let's do it right now. Hit me with a couple right now. But to answer your question quickly, yes, I'm, we're ready for this Monday night. We're looking forward to Craig DeGeorge and, and Cowboy Bob Orton. It should be a lot of fun. Okay, so this is, this is just like a I'm interested as a wrestling fan. Now, I got to believe that you can get your hands on plenty of Cowboy Bob Orton merchandise. He's got action figures, trading cards photos he's been on magazines so there's a lot of stuff if you're a collector that you could have a cowboy bob orton sign but craig DeGeorge, there's not a lot of merchandise and so this might be people's one chance to get a piece of autographed merchandise from him their best option of course is to go to 80swrestlingcon.com and to get an, an 8x10 photo from you that craig will sign and send out other than a photo have you guys seen any Craig DeGeorge merchandise be mailed in for this signing? I don't think there, I can't believe there's any that would exist. No, no, there, there isn't. Um, I, I think if, if I can get the opportunity between now and Monday, uh, my, my schedule is absolutely bonkers right now. So I don't know if I'll be able to, but I would like to see if I can get uh, something as far as, you know, a, some baseballs or some hockey pucks. Cause he announces for both, you know, the Florida Marlins and he does uh, hockey as well. So it'd be pretty cool to have him sign some of that because there isn't any merchandise out there of him, just so there is something of him signed. So if I can get the opportunity between now and then to go get that stuff, I think that would be a nice, cool little thing to have for Monday. 
maybe for the auction at the end. That would be a nice touch because he has gone on to have a really good career in, in pro sports broadcasting. And so if you could get a baseball signed by him, that'd be a unique piece of memorabilia because it's his autograph. So it harkens back to the golden era of wrestling, but it also is a nod to what he's probably most better known for nowadays is his work uh, in major league baseball and hockey. Like you said, absolutely. All right, man, here's what I want to know. Can you give me just a little bit of macho man Randy Savage talking about his cup of coffee in the big time? Do you remember that promo from Savage? Absolutely, but I want to cut I'm a promo. You on the spot here. Can you give pro- me a little I'm, Savage? I don't want. To, I don't want to talk about coffee, man. I'm. 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 I just drank a whole thing of Monster, man. I'm. I'm revved up to go. I want to cut a promo on someone. Give me someone. Anyone. Oh, all right, all right. So you just want to you just want a a heel to cut a promo on. Yeah, give me someone, or give me a give me a all topic, right. give me give me an angle you remember, something, anything. All right, let's do. You were this is near and dear to your heart because you saw it when 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 Andre the Giant tore the golden crucifix off a of Hulk Hogan. Give me a little uh, give me a little a little promo on Andre the Giant Hogan style. Well, let me tell you something, dude. You were like a brother to me, man. I thought it was him, man. It was both of you. are both sick. If you want a title shot, all you do is ask. I would have done anything for you. Yeah, I'll sign it. Yeah, I'll sign it. And I'll get your attention at WrestleMania, brother. What you gonna do? What a 24 of these pythons run wild on you. That's pretty damn good, man. That's pretty good. I like that. I like that a lot. Why don't you I'm give me a little... Uh, I'm not talking to Andre. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you give him the character? You don't am, come out. I, am, I love it. I am so sleep-deprived from working the last uh, last several months on, on on getting this store ready, doing the signings, doing the, I just, I've lost my mind, man. I'm sorry. I apologize. No, that was, that was very solid. I'm not kidding. I think we need to do, we need to dedicate a podcast episode to just some of the promos and just listen to you relive them in all their glory. I had, I had several uh, listeners, by the way, sent me messages saying that they loved my iron cheek voice. So maybe we can close out the episode with a little iron cheek promo. Listen, I am I am 100% backing them. Your Iron Sheik imitation is dead on. Like I'm a fan of that one. The only one that I questioned was the Bushwhacker Luke, and I'm coming around to it. The more I hear it, the more I just appreciate it for what it is. But no, your Iron Sheik is solid. First of all, let us say hello to all the wrestling fans all around the world, Baba. You and they remember the real champion. Iron Sheik, AAU, Golden Lipid Champion. Iron Sheik, Road Wrestling Federation, Tag Team Champ. And the Iron Sheik, the WWF, the real champ. Not that jabroni, Hollywood blonde, Hulk Hogan. And if you do not listen to the 80s wrestling, the podcast, brother, Hulk 2. That's all, brother. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm upset. Oh, you don't like it the Saturday Night's Men event. You don't like it the the Arvatro signing, Baba. You don't like it the Bushwhacker looking boys. Fuck you, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Jay. I don't care. <laughs> Freaking mine. Oh my God, that's it. Let's let's go home, brother. Let's go. Oh, home. I have I literally have tears rolling down my cheek, man. I've lost my mind. Oh my goodness! Please tell me your wife is in the next room. Oh, thank, God. thank God she's not. I'd be packing my bags for soda, brother. Oh my God! I've lost my mind. I'm sorry. Oh my word, dude! Oh, I have tears rolling down my cheeks. That was incredible. I finally snapped. I lost it. I'm so sorry. No, man. That's a sign. Listen, that's a sign that, that you're living in a world surrounded by 80s wrestling when you can go yeah, into oh an God. Iron Sheik promo at I'm the drop of solid. a hat and go on for it. You went on for like, that might have been 30, 40 seconds of just solid. That was amazing. I apologize. 
No need to apologize, man. That was that was that's gold right there. I love it. That's gold. All right, man. <laughs> like you said, it, it's we're rounding we're rounding third, or maybe we've uh, maybe we've already rounded third. I don't know, but uh, we're about to go home, and so let us know, man. What is going on? You're opening up the Wrestling Collector today again. So if you're in the area, you can swing in in person. If not, you can visit the WrestlingCollector.com. You have a huge signing coming up this Monday, March 22nd, from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on your Facebook Live. You can go to 80swrestlingcon.com for all the details on that. What else is going on that, that we want people to know about, Tommy? That's about it, man. Anyone this weekend that stops into the Wrestling Collector, uh, again, you can see our hours of operation on thewrestlingcollector.com. Uh, anyone that comes in this weekend and, and, and requests me to cut a promo on them Iron Sheik style, I will do it. I will do it. Not that loud. <laughs> and not, with, not if my wife and daughter are there. But if you do come in this weekend, the opening weekend, for the Wrestling Collector and say, hey, man, can you please do an Iron Sheik impersonation for me? I'll do it. Listen to that. That's a deal you will not find any other place. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> Tommy going to going above and beyond for 80s wrestling fans. I love it. <laughs> and I guess I could close out the, 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 the broadcast I would do every week. And uh, it would be, I'd like to say, I'd like to every wrestling fan to have a very good weekend, Baba. And we'll see you here next week when we talk about the Jack of the Snake. And a Baba, this is the Iron Sheik, and you're listening to it is wrestling, the podcast. Exactly. 